Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is... Bill Bennett. Great to have you here, Bill. How are you? Oh, good, Paul, good. Sobered up after ITP. Yes, so <laughs> um, j- just for those that don't know you, remind us where you fit into the technology field and tell, tell us where you, were, uh, where you were last week. I, um, I write for a website called Digital, which is spelt digital without the A, .co.nz. Um, and those stories go on to GeekZone and Scoop as well. Um, last week I was covering the IITP conference in Tauranga. Um, and Which stands for? The Institute of Information Technology Professionals. And um, it, was, it was good fun as well as being really informative. Um, lots of really uh, quite powerful people and sessions and so on. Because um, we don't have a huge number of technology-oriented uh, conferences that, that probably have that sort of, uh, well, we don't have that many conferences to start with. And then the, the, I guess the particular leaning of, uh, of this one w- w- was somewhat unique. Yeah, well, you're right, we don't. We, what we don't have is we don't have many sort of overview conferences. We have, we have them for specific niches. And then there are things like NetHui. And so on, which is which is actually very good in its own way, but this one was specifically for technology professionals, so it was, the level was good, um, and as I say, lots of interesting um, sessions. This year's theme was about innovation, so we had quite a lot of um, quite high-powered, um, innovative things to think about, and some presentations from people that have been there, showing how it's done. Good. And any highlights for you? You mentioned uh, before we started about uh, what, what I thought you were talking about, a, a CNC machine, uh, but you, you actually saw a, uh, a 3D printer that was uh, building stuff out of, out of metal from scratch. Yeah, well, what was one of the great things about the conference is the day before it started in earnest, there was a tour around the Bay of Plenty, uh, the... Um, the uh, Western Blair Plenty area, looking at some of the technology companies around there. And one of the places we went to was a, um, it was the um, Titanium Industry something or other uh, research place at the Bay of Plenty Polytech, where they have a three-dimensional printer. Okay, that's not all that exciting these days. Well, it, well they are exciting, but this is really exciting because they were making stuff out of titanium. So they were making metal things in a uh, 3D printer. And they weren't, as you say, they weren't milling them. They were making them from powder. So they weren't starting with a big block of metal and then cutting out what was not needed. This started from scratch. From Yeah, with, with powder, with a powdered form of the metal. And, of course, that, that one of the thing, features of doing it that way is there's zero waste. There's just no, no waste in building things that way. Um, the stuff they were making were things like knives. And one of the things they demonstrated was a tiny, when I say tiny, I mean it was probably about um, probably about 60 millimeters long, um, adjustable spanner you know, that actually worked. And it was, just, it was just incredible. It was actually a gift to give away at some com- another conference. Mm. Um, but they had knives. And they were making things like um, uh, replacement bone parts for animals. I don't think they were making for humans yet, but... It's just, it's just a fabulous uh, facility, and uh, 
it's in it's in the Bay of Plenty. It's not it's not in Auckland or Wellington, which is also quite interesting. Well, I guess there there is a lot that uh, that happens in the regions around New Zealand, but often doesn't get I guess the same yeah. publicity because the, yeah, the media aren't necessarily. Uh, as prevalent in those locations, and not specialist media for sure. Mm. Um, but the the conference itself was was uh, uh, kicked off with. I mean, Amy, Amy Adams opened the conference. Um, how how was that? I mean, she's been. I guess you know the government are always under the gun for one thing or 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 another, um, and it probably been one or two things that she's been under a bit of pressure on uh, lately. Yeah, she addressed. She basically addressed those issues. Um, and it was very much a sort of what you'd expect the government to say defending their position. So it wasn't there wasn't anything amazingly new. We would have heard those arguments before. So the discussion around uh, you know chorus, you know yeah. pricing, and, and and so on. Now there's more information on that due to uh, due to hit this week, isn't there? Um, I understand. I think the is, Commerce yeah. Commissioner uh, yes. are going to be sharing some more, more information on on what on what they say should happen to uh, I guess. Uh, wholesale internet uh, prices. I think that's I think that's right. But one of the things that impressed me about um, Amy Adams' role at the conference was normally you get the politicians who will turn up, make a speech, and you know, get helicoptered off or whatever to something far more important. She didn't. She made a point of staying around. I think for the rest of the morning, so that was for about you know the next two or three hours, mm. and was available to various members of the organisation to talk to her about. Their, their pet projects and so on. That's great. Which which was really good, and um, she, you know, she 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 actually gave the industry some respect. The other thing that impressed me about what she said, she said she wears two hats. One of them is to be the minister and do the ministerial type things, and the other thing is to be the advocate for technology inside the cabinet. Now, Amy's not a technologist by trade, so. She, she had she spent some time getting up to speed on that. Sure, but it was interesting that she said that yeah, you know, when something else happens in another portfolio and they need a technology perspective, she's now there on hand to um, to, to get involved. Which is interesting because it, because the Labour Party, of course, has upped the importance of technology in their portfolio too. So it could be that we're approaching an election where both parties or both the main parties are taking technology really seriously. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, another key presentation was Ed Robinson, who was the founder of Aptimize in Wellington, who was off, who got bought, and they were he was off to Silicon Valley. Um, he was back here to talk about basically the experience of going to Silicon Valley and what one needs to do to sell to the Americans. Um, a very good presentation, and they had Craig Robin, uh, Craig Richardson from the Wenyard Group, talking about how they'd gone from nowhere to, I think they're a $180 million company now, um, on the stock market. Again, all, you know, all really good, inspiring stuff. And, of course, the final session of the conference, starting at about half past four on a Friday afternoon, where we had a big night the night before. Uh, <laughs> it was a very big night. I mean, it was, it was so big that the... Normally, a conference starts at 9 a.m., but on that Friday, the uh, scheduled start was 10, so, you know, it was And what time did you get there? Were you there by 10? I was there by 10. I was at my desk reporting by 10. Well done. Um, uh, The last session was Lance Weeks, uh, who who was... His job was to give a rah-rah presentation, but, of course, he started off by talking about the failure of his fund, so... 
Yeah, because uh, the Punakaiki Fund, uh, you know, they were aiming for, they were thinking they were going to get sort of 20 million plus to be able to launch it. But um, yeah, they, they, they eventually sort of set that sort of 5 million as the minimum and then they don't seem to have hit that. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression from talking to Lance. He didn't use his exact words, but my, but my, my, my sort of take on it is that the market here is too immature for that kind of investment, and that the people that have got that kind of money to invest, well, you know, they can get a they they can spend it on property and other things. They're they're very conservative about where they where they would put their money. What was disappointing to me personally was that couldn't raise five million from people in the tech sector. I mean, there are, we do have tech sector millionaires in New Zealand. Um, there are quite a few people who've done quite well out of that sector. And if you can't raise it from those people, well, it tells you we've actually got a problem as a nation. Yeah, well, like, I mean, I guess the people at that sort of level, they've probably got other places they can, uh, yeah, uh, they can invest. And some of the players are investing themselves in other companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, um, um, GeoOp, for example, which is listing on Thursday on the on the New Zealand Exchange, sorry, the Alternative Exchange, um, they had a, a private listing a couple of weeks ago, and they found 120 investors. I think who came up with was it 120, 280 investors who came up with 10 million between them. So there are other ways of getting that. Yeah, absolutely. Money. Yeah, yeah. And and my my you know my thought is is that. Yeah, if Punakaiki Fund were able to get going and were to maybe, you know, announce a couple of investments and yeah, people sort of saw what they were about yeah. and that they could do it, uh, that probably more people would come on board. But, uh, you know, I don't think that sort of fits with, with how they were planning to, uh, to do it. I mean, that, that, that's, that's just my personal uh, opinion on it. And I, I'm sure Lance knows much more about these things than, uh, uh, the, than I do. But, uh, you know, I think it will be disappointing if, uh, if this doesn't get off the ground in some form. I think Lance would be a good person to get on the podcast sometime, Paul. Yeah, well, we had, we've had him on the, uh, the New Zealand Business Podcast. And, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think, yeah, he'd be, he'd be interesting to have on Tech Podcast at some stage uh, as well. But th- there is an interesting episode there for those that haven't, haven't heard it that's, that's worth, uh, worth listening to. And we've got a bunch more content that's sort of starting to flow through on, uh, on the Business Podcast. So. The, the, the guts of it is, as I say, is that I don't think our market is mature enough to deal with that. And I, th- I think Lance has got another project that he's got in the back of his mind, um, which could possibly involve raising capital for uh, new new tech businesses in New Zealand, but not necessarily raising that money in New Zealand. Um, but anyway, whatever it is, there'll be, there's something something mm. else will come. I'm I'm sure there is. Now, uh, yeah, jumping into some of the some of the news of the of the uh, recent days, um, talking about smartphones. Now, Friday was the launch here in New Zealand of the new iPhone 5s and the 5c. Now, of course, these have been available internationally for a while, and in fact, even people have been parallel importing them into New Zealand, so they're not. Uh, uh, brand new to everyone, uh, but to most of the market, uh, Friday was uh, Friday was the day. Now there, there wasn't so much of a buzz around this release. What, what's your take on that? Is it partly because New Zealand's you know so far behind the launch in uh, yeah the rest of the world? We must be uh, uh, around a month behind um, you know when when the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, 5s and 5c launched in the US, and 
uh, Australia, you know, various other markets. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the kind of the enthusiast who would have queued for earlier iPhones would probably have gone to the parallel importers or bought the phones in some other way this yeah. time. I think that's part and of it. And that were being sold via trade me, people who bought yeah. them from Australia and so on. Yeah. Uh, as well, I, I went to the the launch events. Our telecom had uh, had a launch event on, and so did so did Vodafone. Uh, so I went out uh, late on Thursday evening to oh. see to see what was happening. Like me, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So the thing I noticed was, there, yeah, there were a lot less people than uh, than certainly last time round, and I'm sure. Uh, that's going to be an ongoing issue if, if Apple uh, can't release concurrently in the New Zealand market, and I'm not quite sure why they don't release, you know, concurrently in the New Zealand market. I would have thought that uh, ours is a small enough market they could uh, they could slide it in there, and they have done, you know, yeah, in in the past at times. So well, uh, they don't get, but they don't get much back for launching it on time here either. I mean, the. Um, I don't know about the numbers that would have sold over the weekend here, but when the phone launched in America, they sold 9 million phones over that first weekend. Well, go back three years, and an iPhone was selling... They were selling 9 million iPhones in a quarter. So Mm, mm. so, um, they got a lot back from their launch in America. Would they have got a lot back from from, launching simultaneously in New Zealand? Whatever it was, it wouldn't be nine million phones in a weekend. So. No, no, not not with our population no. of, of half that. Uh, but yeah, in, interesting, uh, interesting launch. I probably figured um, the way that Vodafone uh, did it was that they gave everyone a number so that they could prepay and do you know as much of the transaction as possible. Uh, before twelve oh one a.m., so that they, their staff weren't going to have to, you know, people weren't having to stay around for hours and hours to get their phones. And yeah, there were people that had turned up sort of late evening and were, you know, landing a place under fifty in the queue. So yeah, I was quite surprised. I mean, probably you know between, and I'm just talking Auckland and uh, well, the Auckland branches, and there were some, there were sort of smaller events yeah. in Wellington and Christchurch. But uh, my my pick is you're probably talking about fifty people. At, 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 at each, um, yeah, roughly, yeah. probably in the end it was a little bit more than that, but, uh, you yeah, un- know, certainly under uh, under 200 uh, handsets from people that had gone out for the midnight uh, uh, launch in Auckland, if you add in the rest of the country, I think, uh, yeah, pro- probably, yeah, well under uh, well under 300 would, well, would be a guess. So does that mean that we are more likely or less likely to be favoured next time Apple has a launch? It's a thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, hard to know, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but to, I mean, talking talking of the products, and it's really the first time I've you know, I've had a good chance to uh, uh, to play was uh, was on, was on Friday. Uh, the the new five C to me is interesting because it really did seem as though it's uh, yeah technically a, a um, an iPhone five just inside a different style of case. Uh, I think actually it's got uh, maybe up to twenty percent more more um, uh, or better battery life than the than the five. Uh, but other than that, you know, very similar in terms of a lot of the uh, a lot of the specifications. And 
you know, quite quite a nice uh, you know feel of a of a phone. Um, but coming in at eight hundred ninety nine, and the five S coming in at a thousand and forty nine, it's only one hundred fifty dollars more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it would be. Um, you know the sort of thing that you would choose because you want that bright coloured phone. If you really want the uh, yeah the best specs and so on, and and uh, uh, yeah you want the latest and greatest, you'd be buying the five S. Well, that's what I thought. I mean, the thing is, is uh, that price difference is almost you wonder why they why they did it. But I understand that the um, the C hasn't sold anything like as many as they expected. So no, no, and you know I think that's you know if people are spending uh, uh, shelling out good money, they uh, they want they want those latest and greatest things. And I mean the things that stood out for me uh, with the with the 5S, I I mean obviously there's the iOS 7 software which is available broadly anyway. Um, I I do quite like iOS 7. I love it. And the but but in terms of the hardware features, um, the um, the fingerprint the fingerprint uh, reader to un- unlock your phone, uh, I th- I think that's a great great little feature. I did find sometimes it didn't work. I probably have it working sort of you know maybe nine out of ten times or maybe ninety five times out of a hundred. Um, yeah, the vast majority of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's. It's uh, it's good that you can uh, you you can you know, hit the button at any angle with your finger and it just unlocks and it but seems to work like, pretty well. I had a feature on the HTC One X that I had, which was a recognition facial recognition thing, and it would work five or six times, maybe seven or eight times out of ten even. Mm. But it wouldn't work first thing in the morning for some reason, probably because I looked blurry eyed or whatever, mm, mm. and um, it. It was it was it was quite temperamental, you know. There were times it just wouldn't work at all. Yeah, no, I find if it doesn't work, you just put your finger on again, and it will and it will and oh, it okay. will get it. So uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, now the the camera was really the other big side for for me, and I know you know performance wise, I think that you know they're talking in the direction of twice the performance of the iPhone five. Uh, but having the uh, that that video camera that can shoot at 120 frames per second, I think is uh, is pretty cool. You can slow it down to do slow mo mode, and then the 10 frames a second um, in in full re- in full resolution. So, what's your what's your opinion on? I mean, you've got both of the phones here. Uh, we've got the 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 gold iPhone 5s, and we've got a uh, a blue. Uh, iPhone 5C. Well, they're beautiful phones as always. But they 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 feel good and so on. It's a little bit Austin Powers, the gold one, don't you think? It's but not. Well, it's not too blingy though, no, is it? It's no. uh, it's quite it's quite subtle. Yeah, uh, yeah. And in fact, in in certain lighting, it's hard to tell that it's uh, that it, that it's gold at all. I quite like how they've done that. Yeah, yeah. They're beautiful and. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're nice, nice screens, nice everything. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the problem I think Apple face is that the 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 market is beginning to see them as a bit more ordinary than it was before, which is one you know the excitement's gone out of the company. It's not just in New Zealand. There's a bit a bit of excitement's gone out of it internationally. Well, they they have to, they I mean they have to work in many ways, you know. Uh, you know, really, really hard to sort of turn turn heads, but I think they're still seen as the premium product in the market, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely, and and uh, not only that, but you know, P- 
people, people's expectations can be a bit unrealistic. That's true. I mean, <laughs> what else can they come up with? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing I am looking forward to seeing from Apple at some stage, and, and I don't know whether, the, you know, from, from hearing them talk about the iPhone and, you know, the way it fits in one hand and, and so on, I don't know whether they're going to do it, but I would still like to see one with a bigger screen. Uh, yeah, per, personally. Uh, but, yeah. But, yeah. Do you need something between the iPad mini and the iPhone? Yeah, uh, I think I think there's room for something there, but I mean, we we will see we will see whether that's uh, whether that's their their thing or not. And uh, you know, they, they've shown they don't they certainly don't have to do what everyone else is, is doing to uh, to remain successful. But uh, you know, well, one thing they definitely understand is the whole thing. Now, I I don't like the term ecosystem. I prefer to talk in terms of a stack. Technology stack. That's very old school. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> but there's, there's, I have problems with the term ecosystem. But the, um, but the thing about Apple, you know, they this time round the um, the OS was free on the the Macs, uh, the Mavericks version of OS X was free, um, and Pages, Numbers, and Keynote are now free on Macs. They, they come free with new phones and new iPads, but they, you still have to buy it, actually, in the iPad store. I checked this afternoon, um, and I found, to my, to my disappointment, that I'd have to buy a copy for my iPad. But, the, um, uh, but doing that is really interesting. It's interesting on two counts, because if we... Um, people say it's a preemptive strike against Microsoft. Well, that's just nonsense. I mean, the number of people using Pages wouldn't be a rounding error on uh, the number of people using Microsoft Word. And it wasn't an expensive product previously anyway no. in, in, in the store. No, no. And, and if anything, Pages is now simpler than it was before rather than, um, rather than more powerful. Um, the, the Mac version is now more like the, um, the um, iPad version. Um, than it was, you know, last time around. In other words, Mac's moving towards iPad rather than iPad moving towards. So, Mac. so I mean, Pages. As I mean, for that comparison, I mean, we're really referring to Pages as a as an alternative to Microsoft Word. But, but I mean, as a as a product, you've been using it. I mean, how, how have you found it? Well, I spent the day writing a story using Pages. Uh, just, just it's my way of testing things to actually use it for real. It's um, it's great for a journalist. I, I, my 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 ideal word processor is something that replicates a typewriter and a sheet of paper. Very um, simple. Yeah, very simple. I, all those extra features. The, the thing about Word is Word was getting really, really top heavy, and then Microsoft at some point decided that they were going to they were actually going to hide all that from the user. But for a while, it's just getting. Just too bloated and too, too complex, big. yeah. And it was just getting in the way of getting work done. Um, and Microsoft stepped back from that. Pages actually takes that whole to a whole new level of simplicity. And uh, as I say, for knocking stuff out on um, on uh, uh, what is effectively a blank sheet of paper, it's brilliant. I I, I mean, I use them all. I probably prefer the simpler ones for my work. Mm. Um, one of the things that um, it's easy for us to lose sight of is that I don't really touch paper anymore with my writing, um, unless it gets unless the story gets into something like the New Zealand Herald or NZ Business or wherever where I, I, I write. Um, so uh, 
Uh, but Word still seems to have a lot of papery feel about it. You know, a lot of this is for paper feel about it. Page, not so much. Um, so it, it's, um, it's a nice modern minimalist word processor. Okay. Now, something I, w- I was pondering is, you know, where did this whole revolution of free software, uh, you know, from major vendors, you know, come from in terms of free updates? And when I thought back, I think it started with the iPhone. And the iPhone came out, and then we started getting these operating system updates that were entirely free. Yeah. And now we've obviously seen it uh, with Windows 8 to 8.1, that free upgrade. And then, you know, which, which was just, you know, just over a week ago. And then, uh, you know, a week after that, Apple made a similar announcement. OS X Mavericks is a free upgrade. I, I, I mean, apart from the fact that I'm mean with my money, I'm not that enamored of free sometimes because I think free often means that you pay for it in other ways. I can't see where I'm paying for Mavericks in another way. And I can't see where I'm paying for pages or numbers in another way, which I, I, I guess the thing is, is because it docks you into the Apple stack. Yeah, um, you're buying Apple hardware, yeah. so that's that's part of that's being a part of their value proposition. Uh, yeah, to to a customer. But the flip side of that is, and and uh, listeners can't see this, but I, I actually bought the um, Surface Two in today to the to the um, to the podcast. Is that I was I've been playing with the Surface Two for the last week or so. It's about what seven fifty dollars, I think it costs six six hundred and forty nine is the start price, yeah. and then you're talking about one hundred and eighty five to two hundred on top for you know depending on which keyboard you want okay. to go with it. And I think most people would buy a keyboard with it, yeah, uh, yeah, if they were going to use it for really sort of serious serious work, as a lot of people do with their iPads. To be you know to be oh, fair, if you're in that same sort of position yeah, where you really want to type a lot of um, yeah, a lot of things up, then you you would buy, add a keyboard to your iPad. Well, here's my point. It's not that long ago I remember paying more than $1,000 for a copy of Office. And yet here I have Office, and instead of coming in a cardboard box on 36 floppy disks, it's in a little computer, <laughs> which, which I can carry around with me it's and just, work with Office. Just built in. It's yeah. just there. Yeah. And, so, and in that 649 price. So when you... Uh, and actually, the Surface is a beautiful piece of hardware, but what are you buying? Are you paying 649 for the hardware, or are you paying for a copy of Office that you can walk around with? And the, the what I'm thinking is that the software and the hardware, suddenly we're back into them being bound to the, to the hardware again in a way that it hasn't been for a long time. So instead of your software purchases being decoupled from your hardware, which we've had for probably a couple of decades, but back to the very early era of computers where you bought something like a, you know, a Commodore PET or whatever, and the software that came and the software that came with it as part of that bundle. So it's a very interesting sort of cycle we've just been through. Yeah, and I think you know these things are just going to are going to keep changing. Yeah. But it seems to be where we're at at the moment, and there's. Uh, um, you know, being that benefit of being able to do you know anything through a browser, and hey, it doesn't matter, just yeah. jump on a browser. We're now seeing browsers that you know one browser will exclude or one 
uh, you know, product or, or, or you know, web-based application will only work through this browser or that browser. So we're starting to get uh, back to an exclusivity yeah. type situation there, rather than you know people just following a standard and saying, "Look, this will just work with uh, you know the web standard," and you know away you go. It's oh well, look, actually, it's going to work. Yeah, this is a product from this company. It's going to work with their their browser and so on. And it's why um, it's why, and that's kind of why I said I prefer the term stack because it's very much you're in a stack and you're moving up and down that stack. Um, at the moment, it seems like Google's not it's, Google's a little behind. I mean, Google's got the Android, so in the smartphone space, their their stack's working, um, and they and there's and Google tablets may be outselling. Um, iPads, but my word, most of those are sort of hundred dollar tablets that are selling in you know China and places. Like well, that. there are a lot of those low cost ones, which of course yeah. are going to you know sell well. You sell a tablet yeah. for a quarter of the price of of others in the market, you're going to sell a lot of them. Uh, but I also think that you know the higher end uh, Android based tablets are doing reasonably well. Uh, you know, in, well, in, in the market as well. We they, have, they are, but I, I saw a very interesting statistic sometime in the week, and I wish I could remember where I saw this, and I probably cut and pasted it to Evernote or Pocket or one of those services somewhere, that um, people who buy a, a, an Apple tablet, they generally say that the next tablet they'll buy will be an Apple. People that buy an Android tablet generally say that the next tablet they buy will be an Apple. That's fascinating. Yeah, so, so more than half of all Android tablet owners would prefer to not buy an Android next time. And I think that's a huge opportunity for Microsoft, actually, because it's, it's, it's clear that the, there's a space in the market for another, um, another tablet, which is where the Surface Surface 2 come in. Mm, and no doubt uh, next year we're going to have some smaller form factors, but of course... Yeah, Dell and others obviously been releasing yep. uh, yeah some tablets into uh, into the, into that space. Uh, now, uh, other bits and pieces of uh, of news. Um, now, this one's not quite so much news because we, we have talked about it previously. Uh, but telecom opening up their uh, you know all the phone booths around the country or large you know majority of them and it's growing in number uh, to deliver you know public Wi-Fi services. They originally rolled this out sort of on a trial last uh, yeah, last summer and now they're offering it obviously to, you know, the, the, yeah, a, a big portion of their uh, uh, customers that are using their on-account uh, mobile services uh, and also uh, available on a sort of, I think, a, a week or so uh, trial for, uh, for you know, general, general yeah. public. It's a, it's a huge strategic move on telecom's part because... What they're in effect doing is giving their customers a lot more value for no more money, um, which is which is actually what they're doing also when they when their four G network when um, they're not charging extra for it. But then Vodafone's which, now which Vodafone have, have now matched anyway, and, and we sort of you know figured that they, that, that was, gonna that, happen, that was yeah. probably going to happen anyway. But I was using this, uh, and I think maybe you tried it while you were out of town as well. But I, I was using this. Uh, uh, over the over the long weekend, being out of town, and uh, I'd taken the new iPhone. I'd partly set it up, and I was still restoring from uh, from iCloud my iPhone five setup onto the five S. Apps and bits and pieces coming down. Hadn't had a chance to uh, uh, to get all of that across while as uh, before before I left Auckland, and uh, there I was. Um, yeah. 
uh, sitting parked next to, uh, I mean, I just randomly pulled up and it happened to be right by a telecom phone booth with, with, uh, with, with Wi Fi. And uh, before I knew it, I'd uh, used up my gig of uh, data that they oh. give you a day. Oh. So I registered and. Uh, I mean, the speeds must have been must have been pretty quick. I wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't there you know, more than I don't know, fifteen or twenty minutes, and uh, um, and yeah, and yeah, I, w- I was I was pretty Im- pretty impressed I'm, actually by the performance. I'm very I was only annoyed that I hit the uh, the the one gig limit, but that was pretty generous because it was free. So, well, generally, generally, you have the whole bandwidth yourself. There's only usually one or two people on any um, any Wi-Fi hotspot at any point. Where I live, there's a a cafe that's about 50, 60, 70 metres from the phone box. And I've noticed that you can get the Wi-Fi in the cafe except when a bus is parked outside, you know, where the buses are going. Oh, okay, yeah. So there's a bus between you and the, which is is logical, which is entirely reasonable. Mm, mm. But it's a bit odd. So you've got to be, you've got to time your activity so that there's not a bus Unfortunately, it's the place where the buses actually do stop for a while. Right, right. It's like so a terminal. A annoying, yeah. Terminal. Well, I found that the service wasn't perfect. I mean, in some places I was standing interested in one place. Uh, I was in Rotorua and uh, on, I think, on uh, Fenton Street there. And there was a, a um, you know, two phone booths actually next to each other with all the stickers on them of the, the Wi-Fi service. Uh, but I couldn't get nothing would come up on the iPhone 5s. Now I don't know if that was to do with the phone, to do with the Wi-Fi, uh, because my wife, I think she managed to pick it up uh, oh. on her phone, but I just couldn't even see any any signal at all on that that occasion. You get uh, it, you get it all the way along Ponsonby Road. Yeah, okay, that's pretty good, isn't it? Um, and I'm sure it's a yeah case in uh, uh, other parts of the you know uh, the country in Wellington, Christchurch, and a lot of the smaller areas, you know. Where you are getting pretty good, uh, pretty good access. But compare that to other places where you can get Wi-Fi. Uh, stopped outside a BP, uh, I think it was a BP uh, station, certainly a service station that had uh, you know free Wi-Fi. And trying to connect to that, it, it was just rubbish. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I've, I've I think McDonald's one. I mean, that one's just I think the, an absolute shocker. I've had a lot of rubbish ones, but there's 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 um, telecoms say that there will be thousands of these hotspots mm. within a few years, which is you know, a lot of the country will be covered, and that's brilliant. It's a brilliant way of handing off data from the um, the mobile network. Uh, Vodafone have got something in in the works too, though well, with, their, with their small cells, which are able to uh, which are able to uh, include uh, Wi-Fi capability inside these smaller cell sites. And that will be coming from. And then there's the um, Skype Wi-Fi that's come that Microsoft the are giving away with the which, uh, with the Surface. Yeah, that's which, a that's a pretty generous uh, arrangement. The freebies that come with the uh, the Surface, aren't they? In yeah, terms of uh, all yeah, the Tommy zone, the Skype calling, access to uh, Tommy zone. Yeah. Through the, uh, uh, the 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 free Skype Wi-Fi uh, capability, and um, I, f- I found actually that the um, that they're actually it's funny. There's parts of Central Auckland which are not well served with the telecom network, which happen to be well served with the Tommy Zone network. So it's you know you're gonna have to carry two devices. <laughs> Well, you can, act, yeah, well, you, yeah, you, you can, you can access uh, those things from. Um, uh, f- well, you can access them from the same device, can't you? Just got to pay. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, now um, other topics. We you mentioned earlier about uh, GeoOp uh, launching on the, the stock exchange uh, this week. 
what what can you what do you know about uh, this uh, the company? It's um, a woman called Leanne Graham, who I think is ex Zero country manager. That's yeah. Um, and the product is it's a really interesting product actually. It's a billing system. It's a, it's a sort of it's kind of like a back end system for tradespeople. Well, I think other people are using it as well as well. They're talking about uh, it you know it shops that have yeah. got uh, you know engineers that are that are on the go charging sort of time and materials. But it's and the plumbers, tradespeople, and, yeah, and, and, so and, and so on. Yeah. And it's it's a fabulous niche. It's a I mean, it, it looks like a fabulous product. I mean, I'm actually hoping to get a get a look at it in the near future. Um, but it's exactly the kind of sort of um, innovation that we're starting to see here. And, it, and, it, and this was one of the themes of that conference was, you know, we're, we're seeing um, some real innovative stuff happening in this country at the moment. Mm. Well, um, they've taken this and it's another example of, uh, you know, great technology that's being developed locally but they haven't just focused on New Zealand as the no. market. They get it that for, for us to be really successful uh, with our software developments, that we should be taking them out to the world. And just like Zero have done, they, you know, well, they seem to be very focused internationally. I think it was something like uh, uh, maybe 15% of their customer base was New Zealand. So. Well, yeah, and, and, and Zero and Rodri are very conscious of the role they have in sort of blazing away, you know, showing us how it's done and... Um, uh, getting the country out there overseas um, with these products is something that, you know, we, we, seem to, we seem to be getting some momentum behind this at last, which is really encouraging. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm certainly hopeful that we, we, you know, this is really just the beginning and we're going to see a whole lot, you know, a whole lot more. And obviously, the, you know, the, the zero story is, is looking like a pretty good one. Uh, and, you know, over, over, you know, we'll see over the longer term, uh, you know, just... How much of an impact they're uh, they're able to make in the accounting software market globally, but uh, it's looking at, you know pretty positive at the moment um, to the point where I went out and bought some of their shares the other day. Oh. Um, so um, yeah, I was uh, I was tempted to to jump on in. So we'll we'll uh, keep keep watching these things. Uh, but yeah, GeoOp being the uh, being the, the the latest one. Now. Um, Another topic, which I, th- I think we may have discussed, br- you know, briefly in the past, but this one's this one's really uh, gaining quite a bit of attention at the moment, and I don't think it's probably had as much re- certainly mainstream media attention as it should have done. And this is the topic of ransomware. Yeah, I've seen some scary presentations on it. You were talking about a, a, yet a new twist on. The- yeah, so we, I mean, we there was a, a one that got some media coverage uh, last year, which was a, a medical practice, and I think it was in Queensland, and they had somebody uh, break into their network and encrypt their data, and say, "Look, unless you front up with you know X amount of dollars, then uh, you know we're not going to give you your data back." Now, in their case, I think they might have had some backups or some way they were able to get back. Or they made, had backups, yeah. You know, so that, that that you know that situation got dealt with. But we're now seeing this sort of move to a much higher gear. Where uh, you know, in the same way, we've had viruses and malware that infect computers on mass. We're seeing ransomware do the same thing. So. If your computer is not well protected and you click on uh, maybe one of these, you know, these dodgy emails that comes in and it looks sort of legit, yeah. maybe you're not, you know, quite as, uh, you know, au fait with, with what the risks are and what could happen and, and very good at sort of picking whether it's a legit email or not. Uh, and you click on, on one of these and end up running what 
looks to you like a PDF, but is actually a an application that's uh, you know attached to the email. Um, then you could be caught in this boat of having your important data encrypted, and then you know through an automated process, basically, uh, it's it's you know telling you how to go out and uh, and pay to get access back to your data. And um, the one I heard about, there was a seventy-two hour window in which you had to do that. Otherwise, they would basically throw away the key. And, you know, no one would be able to get that data back. So if you've got something really important business-wise, uh, maybe it's a thesis you've been spending years working on and so on, and that's your only copy of it, uh, yeah, you could be in all sorts of hot water. And I think this is really just the beginning. I think we've seen it on uh, Windows so far, but if that works out well, I mean, there's good money to be made. We'll probably see this hitting uh, hitting the other platforms over 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 time as well, and it's uh, it's a pretty scary sort of situation if this happens really widespread. Well, you'd, you'd hope that the people that are infecting our computers from Prism and NSA and all those sort of privacy uh, destroying things that we keep hearing about, you'd hope that they would actually be able to help the law enforcement people get these people. Yeah, what's the point of being snooped on if you can't get these buggers? Well, I've heard of situations where some of the servers get shut down and uh, because there is that sort of active uh, work going on yeah. to try and solve these things. But, of course, what happens is if they've encrypted your data and for you to get unencrypted, you've actually got to be able to access that server and, and yeah. that's from that server maybe that sends the key back to you, etc., if that server's taken offline, then your data's just gone. You don't you don't have another option. So there's actually a a, a downside to shutting down, uh, you know, parts of these services. And that if you, your only way of getting it back is to front up with the money, and you can't do that. And there's data that you can't get another way. It's uh, it's pretty concerning. Now, for um, you know, for businesses and 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 large organisations, and you know, I know we we have uh, you know CIOs and 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 the like from government departments and universities and so on that listen in. Um, they're going to want to be you know really cautious because we're we're hearing that uh, you know not only can uh, can these tools go in and encrypt your local data, but can reach out across a network. And and impact that uh, that broader data. So if you think of a big organisation, uh, they could get impacted in a really uh, a really major way with this stuff if they're not really well locked down. Now I think most organisations have learnt the you know, lessons from uh, you know from 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 the past. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think this is just another you know warning to be uh, to be extra careful. And when we look at the sort of money that these um, uh, the, you know the writers of the, the, this, these viruses or, or trojans can uh, uh, can generate off it. it it's huge. So I think we're going to see a uh, you know an impact unlike you know what we've seen for you know yeah. for, for a long time. Of course, what's the guarantee that you're going to get your um, encryption key if you pay them the money? That's the other thing. Well, the, yeah, the, there's there's no guarantee of it, but I think the the ones I've heard of so far is people fronting up and paying the money. Right. Uh, you know, are, are getting their uh, are getting their data back, but uh, yeah, what else, what else can you do? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. If it's important to you, you're at least going to give it uh, probably give it a go. Uh, now, the uh, Spectrum auction for uh, I guess we you know we, we've got the uh, um, the 700 megahertz sort of band, which has been used for uh, analog TV broadcast in New Zealand for a very, very long time. Uh, from December, that, that really gets switched off. 
the auction starts today for uh, for telcos to, uh, to you know for the, the telco yep. bids are I guess are, are in and underway today. Well, I guess it's not going to be much of an auction because no. there's three port. There's you're only allowed to buy 15 megahertz um, a block of 15 megahertz maximum. There are three bidders and there's 45 megahertz to um, and they've, they've put their bids in already, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. So unless the only possible. I mean, we're assuming, but I think we can assume with some confidence that Telecom and Vodafone will go for the full amount that they're able to buy. The question is, is whether three de- oh, sorry, two degrees chooses to give the, the three th- degrees. Do you think there's a name change yeah, coming was, up there, Bill? I was. <laughs> I have Tamil Motown in my head. <laughs> um, the um, whether the two degrees um, goes to the full three blocks of uh, five five. Um, megahertz or not is the only question mark over the entire um, auction and of course if they don't pick up all three then the remaining five or the remaining block or blocks that are left mm. are up for telecom and Vodafone yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and if and of course if there's one block left then there could be some quite aggressive bidding but that's the only possible scenario that you know this this can play out with anything other than fade complete and the government will get its 198 million, pretty much guaranteed. Um, so there's not a lot of excitement or mystery in this auction, I'm afraid. I guess this, in some ways it would be rather sad if we do end up with a bit of an imbalance there that uh, yeah. that leaves two degrees at a, at a disadvantage and aren't able you know, to deliver the same sort of quality as what we would be able to yeah, get from having that uh, uh, yeah, yeah. broader uh, yeah, block sizes that well, the real uh, problem, the are going for. The real problem two degrees faces is that it's got the customer numbers now, but it's not got, it doesn't have the volume of revenue that. No, the, they've tended customer. to, you know, I mean, they've started as being, hey, we're the discount yeah. carrier effectively. So, and now they're yeah, stuck pe- with that. People really. are coming in and, and using them for, uh, you know, for. for yeah, twenty dollar a month type things, yeah. and, you know, nineteen dollar a month type, uh, you know, connections. And although they've done those unlimited, uh, yeah, plans at the higher end, I don't think that's, uh, you know, they've gained a huge amount of traction in the business market. And there certainly are business customers that have gone across, and they've they've got the likes of uh, University of Waikato, uh, you know, with a few hundred connections. Uh, but yeah, it's much harder for them probably to come into that space. And the other telcos are offering a whole bunch of things that are usually part of their, their you know, package deals. So like the Wi-Fi uh, we were talking about. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but the, um, but the other thing one. about this is is that the, um, the, the auction's been structured to make it easier for two degrees to buy. I mean, they don't have to pay all the money up front. There's a, there's a sort of, I think it's five years it has to be paid over. But the other thing that's really interesting, there's two other things that are really interesting in this auction. The first one is is that you have to build... I think it's ten new towers. If you, uh, is, I can't remember if it's ten new towers per block, but anyway, each of the bidders has to commit to building new towers, which is a great move by the government to actually extend the the network. Um, I, I thought that was rather a, a, a clever thing to put in there. Yeah, that is smart. I mean, we we want that stuff to keep happening, and sometimes the uh um, the telcos will sort of slow that sort of thing down, won't they? Yeah, and the other thing is, is this. It's going to make a huge change, a difference to the people in rural areas um, because of the way the 700 um, megahertz spectrum travels further in rural um, New Zealand. So we're going to get a lot more, um, a lot more coverage outside the big cities. 
yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be uh, going to be a good thing in, in those regards. Uh, now, before we before we wrap up, there are a couple, a couple of other things we wanted to uh, to cover off uh, in the smartphone space as well as the iPhone. Of course, Google is uh, is really the uh, the other big player, and you know, predominantly through the likes of Samsung and so on. But they've got their Nexus devices. And we've, we've had details that sort of be floating around about what uh, Google's new Nexus phone, the Nexus 5, uh, is going to, uh, is going to consist of. And that's been pretty much, uh, you know, confirmed now with some information, uh, leaked out of, uh, out of Canada. Uh, and the specifications on this new phone look, uh, look pretty good. Talking a, uh, basically a five inch, um, full high definition, uh, display, so very high density, uh, I guess similar in many ways to, uh, uh, the definition that we see on, on, uh, on the iPhone with its retina display, uh, but winding it up a bit more. Um, the next version of Corning's Gorilla Glass, Gorilla Glass, uh, 3, you've got, um, an 8 megapixel, um, camera on the rear with optical image stabilization. So, you know, uh, the sort of, uh, technology there that's going to compete, uh, quite well, and um, the, I guess the the, um, the thing that people have been looking forward to as well is a new version of Android. So uh, it's going to come with uh, 4.4 or, or your uh, KitKat as the uh, the code name for it is. Uh, um, so I don't know how Nestle feel about that uh, free promotion. I'm sure they don't mind having their uh, their name uh, kicked around like that. Although um, I'm sure there are some. Uh, uh, it could be some trademark complications uh, if the phone came out looking anything like a chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem that uh, Google are going to run into this is that they're starting to compete more and more with Samsung. I mean, previous previous Nexus phones are not really competing for that high end. They're uh, very much sort of practical uh, mid-range phones. This one's a high ender. It is. It's got the Snapdragon 800 yeah. uh, from Qualcomm, which uh, is is a very uh, yeah high high end uh, handset. I think two point two point three gigahertz yeah, uh, quad right. core. I mean, this is a very powerful processor. So, does Google really want to drive Samsung into developing its own phone OS? Well, I think Samsung will make its own path anyway. Yeah. But certainly, if, if Google starts stealing uh, stealing market share, it's it's not going to uh, it's not going to help the situation, is it? No, no. One of the, one thing's clear though is that people don't buy an Android; they buy a Samsung or a Google or a HTC or whatever. Um, so it may not be such an issue in that in that particular. Um, um, OS as it is with others. Well, I think for your higher end uh, higher end users, they're pretty. A lot of them are very up with the play on you know yeah. what Samsung are doing, what Sony are doing, what HTC are doing, what Google are doing, and uh, you know they'll they'll pick whichever comes in and, yeah. and looks the best. And if you remember the way that uh, yeah, Google have sold the Nexus uh, devices in the US is directly through the Google online store. Uh, often it's some very very good prices. Yeah. Maybe are not available sort of with the hardware subsidies through the carriers, but in terms of outright pricing, uh, you know, tablets and phones are very very sharp prices. Yeah. So um, there is a potential to cause a little bit of an upset there. Uh, now the other thing was um, the LiveScribe three. Now this just got uh, this just got announced. Uh, you've used the LiveScribe in the past. I've used it a little bit. This is the pen uh, that basically has a little digital camera built into it, and it watches as you write on the you know as you uh, write on on paper. 
and then feeds it back electronically uh, to yeah whatever software and so on that you're that and you're using with handwriting recognition type capabilities and and the like. And it's got um, a microphone as well, which records the sound. At the same yeah, time. it's it's pretty cool. It's it's fabulous. It's the reason why I can't do shorthand anymore. Um, I've had I've been using these phones these pens for some time. The first one was just fabulous. The the original the original um, uh, LiveScribe pen was just fabulous. Um, that was the Pulse. It worked with some with some um, proprietary software, but the proprietary software had extensions. So I so on my setup, I could write some notes. Um, the notes would be translated into a, a word document, and um, but you could go to the notes and you can hit on a word in your text, and it will take you to that point in the audio track. Yeah, which is which great, is, isn't it? So for a journalist, it's fabulous. You don't know more sort of backward and forward through a tape to find that really juicy quote. What did they say? Yeah. You can just put an exclamation mark or whatever in your um, in your notes. Um, the second generation had Wi-Fi, which was sounded like a good idea, but in practice it's not so hot because um, whereas the original pen would last all week on a single charge, the Wi-Fi pen pretty much you just about get a day on a charge. Because the Wi-Fi is pretty heavy on the battery. Yeah, I found that. the The other thing I found with it was it wasn't uh, as compatible with such a broad range of uh, software. No, uh, it, it, as well. It, and it links back to Evernote. Now, Evernote's a lovely program. Don't get me wrong, but it just couldn't do as much as the um, the original software. Mm. And like you say, it didn't didn't link as much. This one is is well, if it's flawed in any way, it's that it only works with an iPhone or an iPad. Um, you can't use. I mean, that, there is an Android version coming, but it's the iPhone or the iPad that actually does the recording now. Yeah. So, so the, the Live Scribe three is really directly sort of tethered, uh, you know, to your yeah. phone in a in a wireless uh, sense. Yeah. But it but it requires your smartphone to do the thinking. Which, and at this stage, it's uh, it's i it's limited to iPhone, isn't which it? means you've got to be which means you've got to buy an iPhone to be able to use it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but if you're an iPhone user, uh, brilliant. That's probably something well worth uh, you know well, well worth considering. Um, now, one uh, last thing: uh, digital NZ. Now, I'm not talking about uh, Bill your digital NZ. Uh, I'm talking about the organisation uh, Digital NZ, which is archiving a huge amount of uh, uh, information from uh, you know from various libraries and so on around the country, from books to uh, audio content and 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 photographs and and so on um they've been kind enough to um to create a, 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 a within their massive digital archives um they they've captured uh, all of our podcasts so we've wow. got uh, the New Zealand Tech podcast the uh, New Zealand Digital podcast and the New Zealand Business podcast now uh been indexed uh by Digital NZ and, and I mean we've been uh, talking probably for uh I don't know, twelve or eighteen months, and uh, and now this stuff is is all uh, is all up there. So um, full credit to them. Uh, thank you for your hard work on that, guys. Um, because I know they've had to go through various processes to uh, uh, to make that happen. And I know that, you know, there's a huge amount of work going on behind the scenes there uh, as they try and build these uh, you know these digital archives and 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 I guess a, you know a search engine for searching uh you know all all types of content uh you know video and and, and textual and and photos and audio and so on as well so um but it's well worth a look if you haven't uh digitalnz uh, dot, dot org for that information so uh yeah 
um, and I think this is a it's a it's a um, yeah it's a, a government uh, funded uh, project which is uh, which is very very good. We're paying for it, so you might as well get in there and uh, <laughs> and have a look and see what you've paid for. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it. That, I think that wraps us up for this week. So um, thank you very much, uh, Bill, for being back on the podcast. It's fun as always. Much appreciated. Now, uh, tracking you down online. Uh, Twitter, I'm Bill Bennett um, NZ, with, with two N's, two T's, um, and digital without the A, .co.nz is my website. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, you can track me down. I'm on Twitter at Paul Spain uh, and across the various other uh, social networks, Google, Google Plus and uh, uh, Facebook on, and the like. Uh, and you can uh, you can track us down for the podcast. You're always welcome to hit us with feedback via social networks uh, or you can email uh, feedback at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, and our website is uh, is just that, uh, nztechpodcast.com. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. We'll catch you all uh, on the next episode next week. See ya.